Welcome again to another edition of the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. I'm Joe Norman, and maybe if you're like me, we're getting a little bit closer to the start of baseball season, and you're starting to get in that baseball mood. I know a lot of the country's kind of been swept by some warm weather over the last couple of weeks here, and certainly making me think about some summer days at uh, Paul Thomas Senior Stadium. Got a special episode coming up for you here today as we're chatting with the former head coach of the Wenatchee Apple Sox, and what a career he had. Five West Coast League championships, six overall titles, including winning one in the Pacific International League in 2003. Ed Nags getting set to join us, a guy who I know a lot of fans have great memories of the teams that he coached and the example that he really did uh, leading the Apple Sox all of those years. He coached the team from 2001 to 2014, and he is the standard, obviously, for uh, success in Wenatchee's. The Apple Sox have not won a title since him, but certainly hoping to do so in 2024. So really excited to catch up with Coach Nags. And uh, if, if you know him at all, you know, it's a, it's always a lot of fun talking to him, learning a little bit more, and just uh, hearing some of the great stories that he has from several decades, obviously, coaching summer collegiate baseball. He has, since departing the Apple Sox in 2014, he has been coaching for the Corvallis Knights since the 2018 season. And obviously every year he's been in the West Coast League since then, they have captured the WCL title. So an incredible run of success that he has had in this league. One of the uh, most respected coaches in this game uh, at the in the West Coast League, along with probably Brooke Knight, of course, as well, the head coach for the Corvallis Knights. And on the same staff, and they've done a heck of a job with the Knights these last few seasons. So without further ado, here is our chat with Ed Nags. A very special guest on the latest edition of the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. A familiar face. Nice to really get a chat with the former head coach of the Wenatchee Apple Sox, Ed Nags. He was at the helm of the team from 2001 to 2014. He has gone over to work in recent years for the rival, of course, Corvallis Knights. But a winner everywhere he has gone. Ed, it's a, it's a pleasure to get a chance to chat with you. I uh, hope you're doing well here this offseason. Oh, thanks for having me on, Joel. Appreciate it. Yeah, all is well. This is a good time of year, but now we're in well, almost February, so it's definitely time that we are uh, looking ahead and looking forward to baseball. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing that a lot each day. I uh, Every weekday night, pretty much Monday through Thursday, even Sunday, I'm finding myself thinking a lot about baseball when I'm not doing stuff in hockey, and I'd imagine you're kind of getting that way too, starting to think about the upcoming summer. Without a doubt, it, it for me, January, you know, after the holidays is that time of year. And typically you're, that's when we have our clinics and we just had the, the Northwest Baseball Coaches Convention in Portland a couple of weeks ago. And that, that really gets the juices flowing a little bit. You're around baseball people, talking the game, learning something new. And uh, yeah, you start getting excited about the season. Are you like me where once the summer season ends, you kind of almost take a detox from baseball for the rest of August and maybe even part of September? And really, you don't even start thinking about it maybe until around like MLB postseason again in a lot of ways? Well, actually, no. We It's so soon, even prior to the end of the West Coast League season, so I'd say beginning of August, the recruiting process for the for the upcoming summer really starts heating up. And being fortunate enough to be in playoffs kind of delays a little bit, a couple of weeks of really hammering out your roster. So as soon as our season's over, uh, it happens 
very fast as far as so that month of September, end of August, and then through at least the middle of September is really busy of taking calls and just getting to those uh, teams that are partners and have been for years and finding out who it is they want to send. And then that roster just kind of takes, starts taking shape. So for me, it's, it's usually into October, I guess, is when things kind of slow down baseball wise. Nice to have that little detox sometimes where you just, you can kind of get away because I think it keeps you a little bit sharper. I mean, like we said, you've been doing this for the better part of the last, what, two and a half decades worth, you know, a little bit of time off in between, but I would imagine you enjoy that time you get away when you can get it. Yeah, for me, always, uh, being in Wenatchee, I always thought at the end, Halloween, I guess, was the time when I thought I was kind of done with everything for the new team for the upcoming season, and certainly that's when duck hunting started going, so then I really would just kind of hit that into January, which is right now when hunting season is over last weekend. So yeah, it always coincides that way, but no, it is. It's important. I think to get away for athletes as well as uh, for yourself and coaches just, yeah, you come back refreshed and um, it's unfortunate. I see a lot of the young athletes now <laughs> not doing that. And I'm talking about the young kids, 10, 13, 14, and, all they do is play baseball year round and yeah, they don't, they don't get away from it. I think it's kind of important to do that. Now I, I've heard another story that one of your other hobbies you really enjoy, you talked about the duck hunting. I've heard you really like to fish. And I heard a story one time that yeah. the reason the Apple Sox were able to get John Olerud to come throw out a first pitch when they hosted the all-star game was because you were able to, he just wanted to go fishing, right? Was that, is that true? That is a true story. I am not a big fisherman okay. just because that's always during, well, typically during spring and summer. And with coaching, there's not a ton of time to get out on the river, though I in Wenatchee have two good coaching friends that are big fishermen. And yes, we were, it was the very first West Coast League All-Star game that we, that Jim Corcoran agreed to host, which I <laughs> don't I don't, at some point, I think you probably regretted it just because it was an awful lot of work. But Dan Siegel, who is still is with the Corvallis Knights, our CEO, GM, uh, he was a big part of that, too. But we wanted to have we wanted to make a hit with the event. And we did have Bobo Brayton from Washington State as being our guest speaker. But also we thought if we could also get John Olrood. And so he talked to John and John said, well, if I can take my son fishing. So I, and Bobo had called and asked that. And I said, let me get back to you. So I called my good friend, coach Ron Reeves, who was our football coach at when I first came big fisherman. And I said, John Allrood wants to go fishing. And he says, Oh, wow. I'll, I, I'll take him out. And he was excited to do that. And, but I said, he he says, oh, you want to get your salmon, get on the river, get a salmon. I said, well, you tell me what he said. He just wants his son to catch fish. And Coach Reeves said, got it. So the morning of the actual All-Star game, we had the event the night before that Coach Brayton spoke, as well as John. And John had some great stories and did a nice job. 
but they went out early the next morning. They I think left the red line about 5 a.m. and they, and they went up to Chelan to Rose's Lake, which maybe you've heard of. But uh, John's son ended up catching, got to catch 34 fish that day, and so John was very very happy that, that yeah that's he didn't want to catch a fish, but he wanted his son to catch fish, so he did that, and he was very happy and he. Boy, he did a wonderful job at the, at the event the night before and during the game. He stayed and didn't need to. He stayed forever and signed autographs uh, there at the stadium okay. after the start of the All-Star game. So, yeah, that's how that all happened. I love that story because that's the type of story that you you kind of only get with a summer collegiate baseball team. You're not hearing that with the major leagues. You're not really hearing that. You might hear that in some minor league towns. It's a little different though, but I, I kind of love the charm of a simple story like that. Like, wow, John Olerud was there and, and went at you throughout a first pitch. It's like, I, I mean, if other people were like me, you probably wondered, wait, how did we get him to come down? And I think it was Jim Corcoran who told me that story. I thought that was just an incredible tale. So Glad we were able to bring that up. Now, Ed, the, the biggest reason I'm having you on is to chat about a really cool event that you've got coming up this season, right before the start of the summer collegiate baseball season. This is time for you in the month of May. Now, you're calling the opening day run, which is great because, you know, it's coinciding with that, that start of baseball season, that excitement we all feel. And what you're doing, as you've stated, is you're going to run from Wenatchee to Corvallis, which is so cool because of your connections with both towns. Currently coaching for Corvallis, coach for Wenatchee for so long. Tell me and tell anyone listening about this. How did this come about? Because that is a very, very tall task to talk about running from Wenatchee to Corvallis, which of course you're not going to all do it, it, it once without stopping, but that is still an extremely <laughs> impressive feat that you're going to pull off here. Tell me about where this came from. Right. Yeah. It's actually 419 miles. So um, the route that we're, that I'll take, I'm going to run 15 miles kind of early in the day and then I'll, I'll do 10 early in the day and then do the five in the kind of the late latter part of the day in the evening. Um, I'd say that I hatched the idea five years ago. Uh, it was kind of that time when that October time and I was going to be turning 60 the following summer. And I thought, you know, I, I want to do something different kind of, uh, that's, that's hard to do that may be a little weird, but the, that'll uh, draw some attention. And initially I thought, you know, I was thinking of the, the West coast league season, you know, kind of get drum up some interest, you know, make it fun. And as we lead up to the start there, the first of June, first of June, which this year is, it happens to be May 31st and had the idea and thought about doing it that following year. But I really, I did not give myself time enough to plan. It just kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. COVID happened. And I, I think I never really had a, a, a true why, really why to do that, other than, you know, maybe the ego part of, yeah, I want to run that far. Um, so it was a year ago while I was, I'm living in Los Angeles now, and was going to run the running the LA marathon, which was last March. So I was training for that, you know, the eight months ahead of time. And I was on a weekend run, which tend to be the longer runs that you take. And I would, I 
I usually listen to music, but on the weekends when it's longer, I'll, th- I'll throw in a podcast or two. And I tend to like to listen to John Gordon's Positive University podcast. I I think they're great. So there was one that John had about a, a gentleman, a minister out of uh, Missouri, who was in the midst of running a marathon a day. And I thought, and so I'm listening to this podcast, this guy's talking about running a marathon a day. And I thought, heck, I want to run. I mean, that whole, wow, my Wenatchee to Corvallis. Yeah, I wouldn't be running a marathon a day. I mean, this guy's, and he eventually did a hunt over a, a hundred and I forget the exact amount, but he set the Guinness Book World Records. But he was also, the key was that he was running it for youth mental health as well as foster foster care he himself was in foster care he had a daughter that the previous year had attempted suicide and so those were two things that he was trying to really bring awareness to and as soon as i heard him say that it hit me as to what exactly i knew i then had my why why i'm going to run from Wenatchee to corvallis and yeah, it all became very clear that there was two things I wanted to do it for. Trillium Family Services, which is an Oregon-based group, mental health group that works throughout the whole state of Oregon, works with youth and their families. And we were fortunate enough that my son, Corey, was, we were able to find Trillium Family Services at a time where he was struggling a lot as a as a sophomore in high school and all the way up to that, it wasn't the first time, but it got very, very bad. And Corey would himself tell you today that Trillium Family Services and going to Corvallis is where it was, the facility that he got to go, their family farm home, as it's called, that he spent uh, like a month and a half there, but that saved his life. And I've always felt indebted to them and wanted to do something for them. And I wanted to pair mental health with the Wenatchee Apple Sox as well. And that's where Only Seven Seconds came in, the organization out of Chelan that I was not aware of till I guess now, well, it's nearing three years ago, mm-hmm. March 17th, where one of our former Apple Sox players, um, eldest son, uh, committed suicide. And, and in, that I had found out after the family had said in, in our son Cade's name, if you want to do something, donate to only seven seconds. And so I went on to only seven seconds. And and then as I got to find out more about it, I was just really impressed. And um, it was obvious to me that that's a place I hope to try and uh, use the platform of baseball and the West Coast League, Apple Sox, Corvallis Knights, myself, and let's see what we can do for these two groups. And and also bring up, just keep bringing up and making people aware of the issues that our adolescents are having with, um, you know, the anxiety, depression, and suicide that's at an epidemic level. I think if you're someone who lives in Wenatchee, Chelan, or Brewster, even the last three or four years, you definitely know about only seven seconds. I mean, they're the big thing they've been pushing is, you know, a world without loneliness saying that it only takes seven seconds to let someone know that 
know, they're, they're important to you. So really incredible organization. Tell us a little bit about what you've learned about them as well as uh, the organization of Corvallis Trillium Family Services. Uh, for someone who's who's hearing this, maybe yeah. they don't live in Wenatchee, maybe they don't live in Corvallis, they, they're hearing about these and they're going, okay, this this sounds great. Tell me more about these organizations, just stuff that you know. Well, both of them are really looking to, it's, it's youth mental health, really helping that. I think they both kind of have looked at five to 24 years of age, that age group of doing all they can to help the individuals as well as the families. Trillium Family Services is different in that they are ba- they are Oregon based and they really they work with individuals and families in Oregon uh, and they really have a wide range of things that they can do depending on where that individual is th- at the given time. And they, but they really help families deal with it. It's not just the, maybe the uh, the individual, the uh, the adolescent, but it's also the family themselves. And they have a lot of different programs that can help. It just depends on that person. So, and they really, Portland is their base, home base. They do a lot in the eastern area in Bend with offices and things like that, as well as in Corvallis, where they have a facility there that uh, does a lot of treatment and things like that. So they're, they're kind of an Oregon based company where, you know, only seven seconds is worldwide. (laughs) I mean, they really are. They're trying to uh, certainly have an effect on adolescent mental health, loneliness, anywhere they can. And certainly they've started, they've really grown there in, in Eastern Washington, the state of Washington, but I mean, it's, they're a young organization about four years old, but man, they are, they're blowing up. There's all the things that they have going on and uh, they have wonderful curriculum that uh, for schools that they can use throughout the whole school year. It could be maybe just a health class that does it, that teacher does it, or maybe it's a school wide. And they're right in the middle, and we're meeting next week, too, to talk about more of a athletic piece module where where coaches can really sink their teeth into and be more intentional about talking about and doing some things for mental health of their athletes. And I think we, as coaches, we've always done things as you create that team atmosphere and the culture of your team. And there are things that coaches do. They, they wouldn't maybe be able to say, Oh yeah, I'm working on their mental. I'm, I'm, this is for their mental health, mm-hmm. but it, you know, but it is, but I think still we need to be more intentional con- as coaches, number one, to connect with our players as people finding out who they really are and what they're dealing with as well as being honest and letting your athletes know that yeah i'm human too and i've dealt with this that and the other myself so part of it is is being honest but getting to know your players and then helping them know themselves and helping them to connect with relationships whether it's with their teammates or certainly themselves their family teammates acquaintances and they're in their lives and so I guess that's a little bit about both of them, mm-hmm. but yeah, so there we go. 
both of them seem to be organizations. It can apply to pretty much anyone. Trillium Family Services, of course, you may be a certain age, a little bit more than another. Only seven seconds could be anyone. But it seems like both of them, just from the reading I've done, has kind of focused on maybe an age group we don't always think about for you know depression sometimes or anxiety, maybe those younger groups. Was that a big part of your choosing because of your time as a teacher, both obviously in the classroom and, and on a baseball field as well? Did you kind of want something to hit that niche uh, age group in there? Definitely. You know, I right, is teaching long enough and, and coaching. If you're in education long enough, unfortunately, you know, you're you're touched by suicide. There, It's rare that a teacher that has been teaching maybe 10 years or more hasn't been touched that way you know our own whether you know in the mental health piece and certainly my son it was it's for him it started very early uh you know we there was a lot of things that we tried and with um counseling and different things to to help him through his struggles with his anxiety and and and, and depression it was hard to watch and there was some um self self harm with you know not hurting but you know the cutting which is which can be pretty common um but there were some things that you know we were struggling with as a family and i i just want to do i just think the earlier the better that we can touch kids and get them to understand that it's okay to to be depressed you know it's not going to last forever and to hopefully give them tools uh, and things that they can do to get on the other side. I honestly don't think that my generation of parents, I don't think we've done that a very good job, to be honest. You know, everyone gets a trophy and everyone has to, you have to feel good all the time. And, you know, you gotta, you know, you don't want, we don't want our kids to struggle and, oh no, I don't want to be sad for that. And I mean, I think, yeah, I don't think we've done a, a great job. <laughs> if when when it's all said and done, and they look back at my generation of parents, I don't think it's we're going to get high marks, to be honest, because it is. It's just happening too much. You know, there's two point six is the average of adolescents that are committing suicide in the state of Washington every week, and that's that's scary just to hear again. You know, to say that. Uh, Scared to and hear once, scared. terrifying to hear multiple. Right. And just the effect that that has on a family and a community. And it's, yeah. So if we can deter any of those with the work that we're going to do and, you know, and the, the money that we're attempting to raise this, this May, you know, that that's, that's the goal. Tell me about some of the logistics of this run, because, when you when it was first announced and my first questions were kind of like whoa how many days is he going to do this over uh first off and the second i was thinking it was like what's the route going to look like because to me i i almost i don't know if you are doing this or not but i was almost thinking boy it'd be kind of poetic to go ballpark to ballpark but i don't know if that's realistic in a way but it's hard to say have you thought about that stuff yes i thought boy what if i first coached in Kelowna and then went to Corvallis. Would I really, would I run that far? <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I did have the idea of how can we, could we kind of get to other teams, but we need to have this 
this can't go on forever. And it is going to be 28 days. And I wanted to be done in time to have our two days of practice before the West Coast League season opens up. And May 1st was always a day I had in mind. And I, and I know initially I did not make the connection of May being Mental Health Month, to be honest. And then I know and just doing everything with this came across May Mental Health Month. And I thought, oh, looks like, looks like I did that on purpose. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, <laughs> Makes you look pretty but, smart, though, in retrospect, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and the route itself, that that I can't tell you how many hours I've worked on the route and trying to make it so we're on. Because, you know, you can't go on and make, we're not going to be running on I-90 in this, you know, or. That was on, the first thing I pictured was I was like, and Nag just running side of the road. Right. On I-84 down through the gorge, you can't, yeah, the, the, no. you can't run on that. So it's obviously, it's 419 miles, which is more than if you and I drove from Wenatchee to Corvallis. But the route is going to be a little bit more rural, you know, out of, out of Wenatchee down to George. That's pretty simple, but that'll take like three days because <laughs> we're only going 15 miles a day. Uh, and when I say we, I have uh, my older brother who is retired uh, captain, fire department out of Kern County, California. So he's lived in Bakersfield for many years. But I had talked to him once this idea was hatched that this was going to happen. So about a year ago, and I wanted to see if maybe he could help me for a week or two and drive the RV that would kind of be my hotel and a place that I could work. We could everything. He says, and I kind of told him what, we're, what I was thinking of doing and why. And I said, you know, would you be interested? Could you maybe help out for a week or two? He says, well, how long is this going to be? I said, it's a month. He says, well, I'm doing the whole thing. I said, great. So brother Steve is in charge of logistics. He's my logistics manager. And right, it'll be he and I. I mean, if there's, you know, a person or two, there's some people that say, hey, we're going to tag along a little bit here and there. I mean, just the logistics of doing that because we're going to be moving and not going backwards. And if they have a, I don't know, yeah. uh, but it is just me running. We can't. And there are people that have said, Hey, love, Hey, how many people are going to run with you? It's, it, it's a solo effort in that, you know, we don't want to, I mean, it, I think some pick people might maybe pictured uh, Forrest Gump. You know, I was going to say, <laughs> and I just kept running where you know we had that group of people that's it's not anything like that number one you're you know then you're causing it a scene on the highway and you'd have it'd be an event you'd have to have permits and the whole thing and i you know it's just one guy out for a jog so uh though rob nyer our commissioner as you know okay. very good guy and he's been really supportive and he is gonna kind of run one of the days with me as I, as we kind of go through the port Portland area. Oh, that's cool. Down through Portland. So that'll be fun. I know Allie with the Apple Sox claims that she, that she's going to run day one with me, which I would think it'd be just that first leg, which is basically uh, out to rock Island, kind of 10 miles, that first, that first leg. So we'll see. I know she's planning on running that, the marathon there in Wenatchee, which is middle of April. That's only going to give her two weeks of rehab from a marathon. So I don't, yeah, we'll see what kind of shape she can be in. That's that's tough. To bounce back from that. So 
uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, the route, you know, we're going to go through some really neat, neat communities, but there'll be some spots where we're, it's just us and some coyotes probably and a few cars here and there. But, you know, at nighttime, not, not a lot going on. The 2024 Wenatchee Apple Sox season begins on May 31st with a 6.35 p.m. game against the Port Angeles Lefties at Paul Thomas Senior Stadium. Spend your summer soaking up the sun at the ballpark and watching some of the top college baseball players in the country. The season lasts until mid-August, and the Apple Sox are looking to make a third consecutive postseason appearance this season. Secure your tickets now by heading to applesox.com or by calling 509-665-6900. Wenatchee Apple Sox Baseball, celebrating summer one inning at a time. It was interesting you bring up the RV part because there was part of me, as I mentioned before, Ed, that when you talked about this route, I did kind of picture the Forrest Gump thing. Uh, are we going to see you maybe growing out a beard at all during this stretch or anything else? Or uh, And like I said, I also kind of pictured the running out of the side of the road. But I think the RV is going to be kind of a, a neat part of it where will you just run like first thing in the morning or are you going to run like some days at different times, you think? Uh, the plan is to start running sometime between you know 6 a.m ish every mm-hmm. morning for that the first 10 uh so my brother who will be handling logistics you know he'll stay where we end up staying the night and at, at any point where he wants you know he he will then go to that spot where i'm going to finish mm-hmm. and we have kind of mapped out where we will then stay because I'll still be working with, uh, and thankfully, my company BSN is being really generous and allowing me to work remotely. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'll run early, be able to work and do our uh, certainly, and then with our social media, because that's going to be a big, that's going to, it's going to be important for us. You know, we're really trying to drive dollars coming in and people to donate. So we'll be posting at least twice a day. Uh, my daughter, Emily will be, she's going to be handling all of that, but my brother and I will be creating content, whether it's waking up in the morning and showing a picture of, you know, this is where we're at, this is where we're going, or, you know, I'll have a GoPro on That's cool. and we'll use that at, at, at some point for different types of things. Uh, so he'll just kind of leapfrog each time he can't be, and, and you, and you run on the, opposite with traffic coming at you but it's not like he can drive it's illegal to drive and follow someone anyway so but yeah so he'll kind of leapfrog and we have kind of the idea we have a pretty good idea where we think we'll be able to park at night because it's some of the places we're out in the it's there's not a lot there and (laughs) it'll be on it just we'll be finding a dirt road and and pull over kind of thing or it'll be my brother steve's job to drive ahead and talk to the farmer and ask if it's okay if we park on their land for that evening. And so we are going to start by driving to Corvallis on the 28th. We will get there the 28th of April and pick up the 32 foot RV right there in Albany, Oregon. That's the one that we have rented. It's there. So we will drive the route backwards to Wenatchee just to get even more of a feel for it. We, you know, we look on the map and with all the technology we have now to really map things out, you can see where you, so we've done that so many times and 
but to actually drive it will be nice, even though it will be backwards, but well, it'll mm-hmm. help give us even a, a better idea, especially that stretch from, let's say, Corvallis until I would say you get to probably Biggs Junction. I mean, that isn't a route, you know, we don't do that a lot. So, you know, we're pretty darn familiar with driving from Wenatchee to uh, to Biggs Junction and, you know, maybe going up, you know, we're not going the Yakima way, we're going to be going Tri-City ways. So that's a question I get. I know the Yakima Pippins, they were hoping that we were going to go down. They wanted to do something for us. And as we went through Yakima, which was really neat, but that isn't the route we're going to take. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. I was so excited when you launched the social media pages because I thought, oh, wow, this is going to be this is going to be really in depth. We're going to get daily updates in May. And I I think I was thinking about that. I was like, boy, you're going to have some cool stuff. You're just going to be I mean, you know, the route probably by heart at this point now, just from enough travel in the WCL. But as you know, that with, you know, running outside for this whole way, you're going to have some incredible views in the entire time. Right. I mean, I'm obviously a huge Eastern Washington fan, so I I really look forward to running from George Washington, which is where we'll take the Beverly Burke Road, which goes up and over. You know, you're not going all the way to Vantage, but you go up and over down and meet the Columbia. Uh, I mean, I yeah, I just love that area. I'm excited for that. And, you know, certainly once we get to the gorge, that stretch, you know, once you get halfway to Portland. That's some of the most beautiful country I think in the world. So that'll be fun. And I did think, you know, we're, we all know about the wind in the Columbia Gorge. There's all the kite surfing you get to, you see, and used to be wind surfing, but <laughs> now it's kite surfing, but driving through there, you always could see the direction that the wind traditionally goes. And I was kind of happy when someone had mentioned it. I didn't think about it, but they said, Oh, you're, you're going to be catching the right wind because typically it's kind of that, yeah. you know, north north to northwest blowing wind. So if anything that, yeah, I think that'll help rather than be a hinder. So, but, and you know, it's going to rain. It's, I've got to believe it's, who knows? It could be the point. wettest maybe on record. Uh, who knows? Or yeah, it shouldn't be too hot, but it might be too hot. You know, yeah, so we're going to prepare for everything. And uh, that'll, I think that'll be part of the story, just the daily, the daily grind, which for me, you know, mental health and those that struggle with mental health, it's a daily grind, you know, and just getting up in the morning. So, you know, I, I want to, I wanted to do something and that's, that's going to be difficult to do daily because I know that's, that's what a lot of people are dealing with opening day run, opening day, I should say, just that those two words mean a lot. I mean, for anyone that's a baseball fan, it's kind of obvious. And when you look up opening day, it has basically all baseball references. There will be some references to the opening of some horse tracks. (laughs) I know that you'll see that, but it's basically kind of a baseball term. I just think of the parallels with opening day and I mean, it's about hope and it's about belief and dreaming. And, you know, this is, it's my team. It's opening day. Every it's, it's a clean slate. It's very positive. And I, and I think just the parallels with, with our own mental health that, you know, every day, if every day we could wake up and it would be opening day, 
you know, that we would feel good. You know, our past, yeah, that's that's gone. It's all fresh. It's new. And I know I talk about that with our teams, usually about halfway through the summer when things get to be a little bit of a grind for them. <laughs> and maybe it's hot out and it, everything's not brand new. And maybe someone's, you know, hitting below 200 or not pitching the way they should and say, hey, if you can come to the ballpark and it's a, if every day was opening day, you know what that feeling's like on opening day. It's brand new. We all have a clean slate. We're feeling good. We're confident. We don't have that bad day yesterday haunting us. And anyways, for me, that's that's when I came up with the 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 name for the event. I mean, when I did, yeah, opening day hit me and I thought, yeah, baseball, yeah, it's obvious. But also I think it has a lot, it can mean a lot for just our own mental health. That's a really, really cool connection. When you, when I saw it was called opening day run, I was like, this is perfect. It times up well at the start of the season, but I didn't even think about it from that perspective of like, what you. I really like what you talked about. Like, yeah, if only every day was opening day, which is as a baseball fan, that's all you want is that feeling throughout the year. So that's a really cool connection. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think people connect with that and, you know, that we've been real lucky. I mean, just people have already been donating, you know, I really, if, if somebody can, we really appreciate if they could get on and, and help out either. And it's their choice, only seven seconds or, or Trillium family services but on the, on the website, openingdayrun.com. You know, there's a spot where they can, where they can go on and donate to either one of those uh, two organizations. And we really want to, we want to make an impact. I, and that was one of the reasons of doing this is I've never been in a position financially to be one of the people that I thought, boy, how neat would that be to be able to write a check and to really have an impact on a, something that was important to you, whether it was, you know, building a field for your, you know, the town you grew up in, uh, or just an organization like these to be able to, you know, I've always given what I can throughout the year kind of thing, but you know, really wanted to have an impact. And that's what I'm really attempting to do with this. And there is that a platform that we have, I think, with baseball in the Northwest and the West Coast League. And I'm just excited about how the teams uh, are going to be behind it as well in the West Coast League. We're not exactly sure how that's going to look. We yeah. obviously know Corvallis and Wenatchee Apple Sox, Corvallis Knights and Wenatchee Apple Sox have already stepped up in their kind of uh, – some of our major sponsors, um, the um, site crafting, which is on the website as one of our major sponsors. That happens to be a former player of mine's company over in Seattle. That is a web company. They design uh, websites and create those for people. They, it's a it's a very big company that does very well. And yeah, uh, he was a pitcher of mine in the 1987 and 88 john burroughs high school indians in burbank california what a and, great connection to be able to pull back on right and he ended up going on to gonzaga and pitching a little there had spent two summers in wenatchee as an assistant coach with the uh, apple valley packers american legion uh, and then went on to teach over in the uh, tacoma area uh, catholic school there but was kind of a computer whiz ends up starting his own company and it's yeah but and yeah because i wanted to know i called him to find out what should i have for this event and he says well you should have a, a a landing page a website but a landing page and i said okay and i said and he says hey 
I want to do it for you. This means a lot to me, this topic. He has three children. They're all uh, grown now, and one, in co- one last one in college. But uh, he said, this, this is important to me, too. And so his, his company, they, they, I thought they did a really nice job. I think that's a, it's a nice website, and it's really going to help drive, I think, uh, what, we're, what we're trying to do. So the Apple Sox, as well as the Corvallis Knights, are also helping sponsor just the cost of putting this on, which is the biggest cost, is that the, the RV and the gasoline and, and running, running that. IPRO uh, Building Services in Wenatchee is another one of the sponsors. And so we're really excited that they wanted to jump on and help us out. They work, they have, they're in the state of Washington as well as Oregon. So I think it was a kind of a, a good fit for them. So we're happy that they kind of stepped up because we wanted everything that was given to each of the groups to 100% go to them and nothing goes to any, you know, it all. Everything they donate goes 100 percent right to that to that organization. So we are fortunate enough to make that happen. So we're happy about that. Tell me about how your connections with the Apple Sox, just in Wenatchee, have kind of. This is kind of a sign that you know, even though you haven't coached for the team obviously in over a decade, like you mentioned, you know, you don't live in Wenatchee anymore either. Tell me about how it's these connections have still been, and how this event is still kind of a sign of your connection still with the town and the club. I mean, I've spent most of my, I've spent more years in Wenatchee than anywhere else. Uh, fortunate enough to, you know, bring up my kids there. Uh, and three of the four, they're, they're still there. So I do get to Wenatchee as often as I can. And they come visit. They like coming down to warm weather. They like that. But uh, uh, I try and get up as often as I can to, to see them. And, and I, and maybe get get a duck hunt in. I did that a couple months ago. Uh, our former player up in Brewster able to get out on their land up there and get some hunting in. Miss that dearly. Uh, this will be a temporary uh, spot for me. But no, it's because everything in Wenatchee, whether it was my time at the high school. Uh, coaching there, the American Legion program we started, and then being fortunate enough to be asked by Jim Corcoran to take over the Apple Sox and to think, you know, 14 years later, and that went all too fast. Uh, I thought we had a lot of fun. I thought the organization did a good job, whether that's front office and myself and and the many great coaches we had. We made a good experience for uh, certainly the players. But I think for the fans, they you know, that that's been a, a staple for people in the summer to have that kind of baseball to 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 go and watch, and um, it's been quite the love affair. And I was so happy to to be a part of that. And it's it's a big part of me. Wenatchee is, I mean, it still is, and so many close close friends are there, and obviously my my kids, but all those coaching and teaching friends that I still keep in touch with. And there's just a lot of people that I miss. And so I do like to go back, but it's a, always be a huge part of my life there. And I've just, and I have been lucky that, you know, that new chapter in Corvallis, it's, it's a great place to spend the summer as well. Yeah. yeah two really great organizations. I mean, the two most winning in terms of championships in the WCL, 
Talk to me about, I think people always ask this in Wenatchee, when you left, you know, you spent a little time in between when you left Wenatchee and then you went to Corvallis. Tell people the story about uh, what kind of got you back into it with the Knights, because you're not in the head coach role, you're in the associate head coach role, and you're helping out a lot with them. I, if I'm if I'm correct, a couple of years ago, if I'm remembering right, I think you also did a little bit of work as a pitching coach briefly before Bo Kearns came in. Am I correct with that, too? No, I, I didn't do any of the pitching, no. No, I try to stay away from those guys. Um, <laughs> no, the uh, right. It was a good the time when I did step back from the Apple Sox. You know, for me personally, uh, it was a good time for me because I'd done something, and and it's you know it's a lot of work and you put a lot into it, and certainly um, my children, you know, they took a backseat a lot of times because of uh, the baseball. So, and I wasn't sure that I wanted just to continue doing the Apple Sox forever. And at the time, my son, Corey, who I um, referenced earlier, and the reason Trillium Family Services is somewhere we want to donate money, he was really struggling at that time. And I know had I have continued to coach, so it would have been the summer of 2015, I would have had to stop coaching there in the middle of the summer gotcha. with, with the things that it come about with Corey at that time. So it was fortunate that I kind of stepped back before that. And I knew I was going to coach again. I, I knew that, but I wanted to kind of step back and do some of those things in the summer that everyone, you always heard people doing. And the first thing I did is I uh, reserved a week in Priest Lake, Idaho for the kids and myself for a week in July. So for three summers, we went so 15, 16, and 17, we went for a week in July to Priest Lake, which is a place that I came to know and love when I was coaching over in Gonza at Gonzaga many years ago, where we would I learned of Priest Lake up there in the panhandle of Idaho, which is about as close to heaven as you can get. It's you know, it's so we did that. And each summer it was hard, just you know, missing missing baseball, missing those players and all the relationships with the coaches that you coach against, but it was important to spend that time with the kids. And, and they knew too, that I would be back into it. And um, I had, my intention was to go back and coach back in Cape Cod again, where I had spent a summer back in 99. It was a, whatever, a year before I ended up taking uh, the Apple Sox. But so I was kind of working towards that. And Brooke Knight, who's the head coach of the Corvallis Knights, and he and I were were close, even though we were foes for many years. Uh, always, we always had a lot of a deep respect for each other. So when they would visit Wenatchee to play the Apple Sox, he and I'd go to lunch. And so in, I think it was 2016 when we had lunch. He was he asked, he said, "Are you going to get back into this?" I said, "Oh yeah, I go next year." And he says, "Well." Why not with us? And I thought, well, <laughs> Corvallis? I said, not that I, I, you know, I said. And the main reason I said that was because he and I are kind of the same person in that neither of us are a pitching coach. Um, we both kind of handle the hitters and the defense kind of thing. So I thought we're both kind of the same guy. And, you know, he said, no, no, I don't, I don't care about what you do with us. He says, I just know we, I, I want you with us, our organization. I want to learn from you, you know, and I said, well, you know, 
okay. And he says, what will it take? <laughs> Within a, a few minutes when I kind of mentioned, and I wasn't throwing out some crazy things, but everything I did mention, he goes, oh, not a problem. What's next? Oh, no. Oh, that's fine. What else? What else? And I said, I, I don't need anything else. He says, well, let's let's make it happen. So, And that was pretty early in the summer. But by the end, that September, we kind of field the deal. And uh, it's been a really neat relationship coaching with Brooke. He's you know, obviously very successful there. And, and we're different with just how we coach. So that's been really good, I think, for ourselves as, as learning, as well as our players get kind of both sides of that. And, you know, recently being able to we were able to hire Bo Kearns, who's a former Apple Sock and a really, really good young coach. So I have him on staff and like anything you do in life and whether, you know, your job and what you do and your work, it's really important to people that you surround yourself with. So I feel really fortunate those people that I'm with and as well as the our owner and general manager, CEO, Dan Siegel, who's been with the Corvallis Knights since the inception 35 years ago it's a, a group that they're real professional and they're all about developing young people whether it's all of our players or the i think there's about 30 interns that are hired for the summer for the corvallis knights to put on a, you know put on those games there at goss stadium and they really work hard I mean, we work hard on the baseball side but they really work hard to help those interns get to whatever their next level is and uh, so it's it's a fun organization to be a part of. Was it weird for you that first time in 2018 putting on a Knights hat, a Knights uh, jacket, after all those years playing against them, meeting them four different times in the, the West Coast League Championship Series? Without question. I mean, <laughs> so long when Atchee High School for 20 years wearing, you know, the purple and gold, uh, you had to think if I would have gone somewhere else and put on, yeah, I mean, you're so used to seeing something and wearing it. And I think, yeah, putting it on was different. I think uh, the weirdest, the most emotional part is then playing when Ashy, you know, that was. It took a couple of years, always, too. That was until 2020, 2022. Right. Because when Ashy came to Corvallis. Came down. Yeah. Yeah. Which was which was kind of odd. Yeah. But uh, yeah, certainly stepped. And that was the first time I had stepped foot back on Paul Thomas. I never had gone to a game when I stopped coaching. I, I I never wanted to be a distraction for the new guys. I just definitely wanted to just step away. So it was, yeah, walking and getting down on the field and being on the first base side instead of the third base side was, was really odd. But I was it was so emotional. It was so heartwarming, but just just the reception, I guess, in the stadium and being there again. And um, Apple Sox, as you know, you were there, but they presented me with a, a jersey, and that was that was a real that was a neat moment, and uh, quite appreciated. But uh, yeah, it was, it was different to come back. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, like you mentioned, I was there too. I enjoyed that night a lot because it was a really cool connection of the. The past and the present time with the Apple Sox, where, where Jim Corcoran was there as well, former you know, owner of the team, of course, helped found the team. He was there. You, of course, your greatest head coach in team history. And then we had Ali, Jose, and Mitch out there, of course, current coach. I was like, this is so cool seeing it all come together. And then you probably remember, too, we ended up having a heck of a night of a baseball game, too. So it was really fitting. It all collided that weekend. 
No, it was boy, and you know, Mitch has done such a good job with that team. It's it's really impressive how well he's done and how quickly he's done it. Because you know, as he and I spoke after he took the job, he reached out. I you know, I <laughs> I was because I think a lot of people they get into it and they think, oh, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna go out, we're gonna win, we're gonna do this, we're gonna win it all. It just it takes time. And I remember talking to him about just yeah, create those relationships with coaches and. Uh, but man, he yeah, he didn't waste any time. And man, they they've had some good teams. And we had prior right prior our trip the three days before we were in Edmonton, and we had to get up at four in the morning or three in the morning, leave at four a.m. to get to the six o'clock flight that took us to Kelowna, where our bus met us, and then we drove to Wenatchee and we had to play that night. And I remember yeah. thinking, we got no shot, <laughs> and. uh yeah, we were real lucky to come out on the, the good end of that one. But, boy, what a ball game that was. That was a, a really fun one. I remember we we tied it. The Apple Sox tied it in the ninth, and then you guys got us in extras. And I remember I've seen – obviously, I haven't as much the last couple of seasons, but I remember my first few years we played Corvallis a lot more prior to the league expanding. And I, what I always remember, and Mitch and I talked about that night so much, the Friday game, I remember you guys had a runner – we had a runner at second after tying the game – and he got stranded, and I thought that's going to cost us. I said, Brooke Knight in extra innings, like that's he's going to win that chess match. Not not to knock Midge at all, but I was like, I was like, we missed our chance. We we had a chance of the knockout punch, and then I was surprised we won the Saturday, and then the Sunday was just that marathon. But what I remember with that Sunday, I, you might too, was I think it was in the ninth inning. Again, we had a chance to win the game. We had a, our, our left fielder Brandon Bonds had a ball to left. Everyone in the park, I think, thought that ball was gone except for Mitch, who was coaching at third, and your left fielder. Because I remember he had the most perfect relay home to nail what would have been the winning run. And I remember thinking again, oh, my gosh, we missed our chance. <laughs> but I was like, we're going against two guys who've won, at this point, X amount of you know titles together. I was like, well, that was, that was our chance. But that was probably my favorite weekend of baseball. So since I've been in the West Coast League, besides any playoff series but uh and like i said very fittingly very good games with with uh you in town as well i thought yeah i mean i thought we were very very lucky to come out of there with any wins it could have easily went the other way oh and oh and three on that weekend but yeah we were fortunate to sneak those out yeah What's been, uh, let me ask you this one. What's been your favorite, give me a favorite memory from your time with the Apple Sox. I know it's such a broad question, but, you know, we're talking about a lot of memories <laughs> in recent years. What's a memory maybe from with the Apple Sox that maybe it's a championship, maybe it's something smaller, but something you kind of remember from that span of 2001 to 2014, that's maybe the first thing that comes to mind. I, I just think of just so many great young men that you get, you know, we just, pass through each other's lives for this little it's a short window of time certainly social media has changed a little bit as far as keeping in touch i mean it always every summer i it always gives me a good feeling about the future of our country i feel better when i'm around the younger men who these really really impressive young guys who are gonna grow up and you know be husbands and 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 dads and and really do do good things but you know after all year especially you know we're going into this uh political 
going into the election year and it's just scary to watch some how some adults are acting but um for me it's just the ability to have those those guys that are coming in and then you get to meet them and know them and what makes them tick and they're just you know and some of them are i mean there's so many of them are good baseball players they're all good baseball players and some of them do have that get fortunate enough they stay healthy and they get to go on and and you know some of them you know have made it to the big leagues and people i guess think of those guys but you know there's so many that you come across and you run into still and uh, you know they're married with families and uh they're taught you know they're coaching their own little ones now and you know those those memories of the players i think stand out and i was just fortunate to have so many really good coaches that came through and you know i coach hippie our pitching coach for so long he uh we still stay in touch uh i mean that guy i mean he had a lot to do with our success a lot what he did with the pitchers we were able to bring in and then how he molded that pitching staff all the time it was pretty impressive and i think made made me look like a made me look like a good coach do you have a favorite player that you coached with the Apple Sonics that fans might recall, whether it was a guy who went to the majors, maybe it was a guy who went and, you know, maybe he was married and in a completely different career in a couple of years. Is there one guy and not to, you know, completely single one person out, but a guy who you look back. Yeah. yeah, It's it's so it's, it's gosh, it's yeah. That's such a tough question. You know, I do think a, a guy that comes to mind because he killed us constantly in high school was Steve Marquardt who was out of the Tri-Cities, was a Kennewick High School kid, great athlete. But, I mean, in high school, he there was just – he was Otani. I mean, swinging the bat, and he'd pitch, and, gosh, he just did anything he wanted. And I knew if I ever had a chance, I because I'd always those, – those kids from the Big Nine in the Tri-Cities or Yakima that were always so good, I'd always try and – when they got to college, I'd bring him to the Apple Sox, and he was one. He was just so competitive. He had gone to Washington State because he didn't sign out of high school. He was a pretty high pick, but didn't sign. Ended up bouncing back to Columbia Basin, and that's when uh, he came and played for us. And uh, he ended up being the player of the year in the, in the league that year. Uh, he did play a little pro ball, but I, just his tenacity and desire to win and he just willed everybody to kind of follow along and he was a just such a, a huge part of of what we did i couldn't tell you the the exact year um you know and marco gonzalez is a guy that stands out just because of his success but i mean he came to us as a high school senior and to be as polished as he was at 18 years of age i mean not only not only had he had a little success in high school he had won four state championships in a row he had started and won each of those colorado high school state championships he was one of the guys that was on the sports illustrated faces in the crowd because of what he achieved there and you know then he shows up for us and here's this left-handed pitcher that just amazing and had this incredible presence on the mound for being 18 years of age. We had a Gonzaga pitcher left-hander with us last summer for the Apple Sox, who was a senior. 
as well out of Seattle. And he, he had a little, I mean, when, when the Gonzaga were coaches, the Gonzaga coaches were asking how he was doing. I said, you know, he's not Marco Gonzalez, but he's got a little bit of that in him just with mainly his changeup. It was so advanced, but uh, yeah, just to watch Marco do his thing at such a young age was something that, you know, we'll never forget, but so many just great players have, have come through and um, the fun to fun to watch them experience winning. You know, winning the whole thing is neat, and that you know, there's a lot, there's a bunch of teams trying to do that. So the fact that we were fortunate to do it a, a few times was, yeah, to watch to watch guys dogpile <laughs> on the mound is uh, not a, not a lot of people get to do that ever, yeah. and to see our guys do that some of them more than once, and you know, you could, I think now, and I, I really. One of my highlights was certainly being able to coach all four Gebbers brothers. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've never been around four brothers who are such great human beings as well as good athletes, great teammates. And, you know, to have, <laughs> I never would have thought I'd been able to do that. And the, the other interesting fact about that was my very first year of coaching was at Gonzaga University as assistant and that happened to be um, Mac Gebbers all their all those boys father his senior year so that was you know I kind of got to span the two generations which (laughs) means you're around quite a while Uh, but yeah to be able to coach, be with their dad in my first year, and then to be able to have all four of those come through with the Apple Sox was a was a huge treat. Yeah, they're a lot and a big part of all the success that we had. They were spread out quite a ways, but uh, that, that was a lot of fun. Really cool. Well, Ed, we could probably go for another hour or so, but for the sake of the enjoyment of the listener, <laughs> uh, we'll probably cap it up here. Uh, thank you Good for the call. time. Before we wrap it up, can you tell everyone how they can support Opening Day Run, where they can check it out, and just all the information they might be curious about? Thank you, Joel. Again, uh, our website is it's www.openingdayrun.com, especially if people, if someone, you know, if they feel the urge to donate that that would be great because we need it as much as we can as well as you know you follow us on social media with instagram and facebook and i know x formerly knows as twitter isn't we're getting that put up there but we already we have that as well uh so it's it's out there i forget our our handle on that i have to talk to my social media gal um yeah but that that's that's it it's all right there and people can donate right from that site they each each organization has a specific site that you can donate on and much appreciated follow it and send it out to anyone else that it might be of interest to and we just want to really make an impact absolutely well Ed, again really appreciate it wish our teams were colliding again this season but hey maybe in 2025 <laughs> well It'll, it'll, it would be for the championship if we do. So that would That's be true. exciting. That'd be very cool. Awesome. Thank That'd you for the time. Exciting. And that does it for this edition of the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. Again, if you're interested in learning any more information about Coach Nag's run coming up in the month of May, which is going to be pretty much a full month long event, please visit openingdayrun.com. 
to get a lot of the details and learn more about some of those organizations that it is benefiting, uh, Trillium Family Services, as well as Only 7 Seconds, which, again, I think a lot of you, if you're living in the Wenatchee area, then you're very familiar with Only 7 Seconds with their work, as well as in Brewster and Chelan. But two great organizations. If you're able to, please donate. Uh, It's a great cause that Coach Nags is really helping to get started. And I think it's going to be something that a lot of people, once you learn a little bit more about it, you'll see just the beauty of it as well. You can learn more about uh, his run itself also on Twitter, at Opening Day Run, or if you prefer to call Twitter X now, still adjusting to do that myself. And you can follow it on Instagram, at Opening Day Run, and like Opening Day Run on Facebook as well. So go ahead and give those a follow, and you're going to see some uh, regular updates from Coach Nags about running coming up. So you can enjoy that here down the stretch. Again, the Apple Sonic season getting started in May, on May 31st, and we are quickly approaching the time where we're going to be starting to reveal members of the 2024 roster to you. We're about a month away from that, but we've got another special podcast coming up later this month as we continue to get set for the upcoming season. So stick around for those. Please subscribe to the Apple Sonic podcast wherever you listen to it to get the latest updates on our regular editions of the show. But otherwise, head over to AppleSox.com for more information on the team or to purchase tickets for the 2024 season.